What's going on, podcast? We have another great episode today. But first, let me introduce you to the sponsor of this episode. You might have heard about him before on a previous episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Scuff Mixon. Scuff Mixon is a artist, a musical artist, tattoo artist. The dude is artistic. If you haven't heard about him, check him out on either the interview that I did with him or better yet, go to Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, anywhere there's music, you could find Scuff Mixon. That is S-K-U-F-F-M-I-C-K-S-U-N. And not only is a badass dude, but he's the sponsor of this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce the guest. We have local tattoo artist Ove Menduza. Uh, went down to Akron to go talk to him fantastic dude 100% worth the drive down to go talk to him and uh listen to the episode you find out all all that I learned Um, so I'll let you introduce yourself, go ahead and let everybody know your name and uh, how you got started doing and what it is that you do. Alright, uh, my name is Ove Mendoza. I'm a tattoo artist out in Akron, Ohio. I've been tattooing professionally about six or seven years. Usually I say six or eight years, but because, you know, the first couple of years was kind of shaky. I didn't know if I was going to make it in tattooing or not. Right. Um, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, graduated from Glenville High School. Came out here for school, went to Akron U for business. After school, I really didn't want to do much with my degree. So I started learning how to tattoo out in Kilmore, Ohio, which is still Akron, pretty much. Um, so I learned there and been tattooing ever since. Nice. And have you always been into art, I'm presuming? I mean, have you always been drawing since a kid, or how did all that start? Yeah, my mom is an artist. She was a painter when I was growing up, so I was always like influenced by her art. And then as I got older, I got more into art and start, you know, creating my own style and find out who I was, who I was as an artist. Gotcha. And it brings me that one of the, I usually don't have that many questions written. I usually freestyle most of them, but how would you describe your art style? Like, it's, it's definitely um, unique. Is, do you have, like, a name that you put on it? or? Well, uh, I, I take a lot of influence from different types of art. Uh, I did graffiti in Akron, I mean, in Cleveland when I was growing up. So, um... That kind of influenced my art as well, like a, a realism based, but it still have like a, like an illustrative feel to it. So gotcha. it's a whole bunch of mixture of different styles that I like. Have you always kind of had the same style, or has it just completely evolved? As no, nah, it, it changed a lot. Um, my style is pretty based off of need and growth, because when I first started into tattooing, I wanted to be a soul, solely a new school artist, which they all do like illustrations and like cartoons. But then I couldn't really promote myself because it's a, it's like a knit kind of um, style. Like you kind of have to have clients who just want that type of style. So then I went into more of an illustrative style, which I can convert into like, say you wanted a an eagle. I can either do the eagle super realistic or I can do it illustrative. So I have like two ways to 
give my clients what they want and what they're looking for. Gotcha. What's your favorite medium to work with? I mean, I know you do tattoos. I think you do a little bit with paint too, right? You got color pencil, the biggest, coolest color pencil set I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's your favorite medium to work with? Is it skin? Um, my favorite medium, as as far as like why I like to create art, or it's honestly tattooing. Um, tattooing is so close to painting, and I love painting. But at the same time, like when you paint, you got to bring out so many supplies and stuff. And it's, it's just so much to even paint anymore. So I, I love tattooing. Uh, my second favorite medium probably would be graphite. I like, like it's not that messy. It's easy to do. Break out a couple pencils and you get to work. You know. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, you get, from what I've seen, you've done huge stuff. You've done small stuff. Is it like what am I trying to say? Is it easier to do things on a bigger scale, or how does that work for you? Yeah, the stuff on on a bigger scale is a lot easier because it's more to play with. Like when, when people come in with the little tiny uh, affinity signs, those are the most stressful to a tattoo artist and the hardest. But if I did like a full back piece, the whole back piece is pretty much mine. I, I know what it's gonna look at look like at the end of the session. I know how it's gonna how we gonna work the details in. So like that type of stuff you can't really mess up on. But if you do a little infinity sign and your finger or your hand twitch a little bit. You know, messed up everything. So. <laughs> and then, since you are doing a thin little line like that, what do you what do you do at that point? You kind of just have to go make everything a little bit thicker to kind of blend it. Yeah, yeah, you got to kind of fold it out just a little bit more if that happens. But at the stage of my career, it, it usually don't happen. I'm pretty much comfortable now. But I mean, first I, starting out, I, you had it completely still have when we were just joking around earlier. You yeah. know, I mean, that's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of time. Um, and then let's talk about that a little bit. How, how long of a journey was it from deciding you decided to pick up a tattoo machine and until <laughs> now? Um, it's been a long. It's been a long road. It's been a long road. Um, from the time I did my apprenticeship, like after I did my apprenticeship, I had quit tattooing for like eight months to a year. I was just working a dead end job, and then after that. After I, I just was like saving up my money, saving up my money from the job. I opened up a, a little small studio in my house, and then I was tattooing, saving up money, saving up money. And then I, eventually, I had enough money to open up my first studio. I had that open up for about two years. Uh, I had to close that because people were just acting crazy, like the artists I was hiring and all that. And I was very inexperienced about. I knew about business. But knowing business and running a business is two different things. So, like, when I had the shop open, I just, I, would, I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't able to focus on my craft like I needed to. Um, my tattoos wasn't good that I was putting out. I really needed to sit back and work on my art. So after after I closed down the shop, I was I went back to the person who taught me how to tattoo, and he had an opening for me to come back there and tattoo. So I went back there and tattooed for two years. And then I started getting better. I started getting some motion. People started um, you know, hearing about me a lot more. And then I came to this shop and I was able to learn a lot more because I was working around a lot more artists. Gotcha. I feel like an artist cannot improve on a craft unless they're around other artists. And that was my problem. It's that even though I was in a tattoo shop, it, I wasn't around no artists. Like, all they was doing was tattoos. They wasn't drawing, they wasn't creating no art. They was just doing tattoos. So when I got here, and all the artists was drawing and trying to push themselves and getting better, 
I improved a lot. And I've been here for about five years. Gotcha. And uh, what made this shop so appealing to you? As you, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of looking for that right fit. What made uh, Empire work? Well, uh, did you already know people that were working here? Is that how you got the in? Well, I, I always knew the owner. Gotcha. Back when I was when I was an apprentice, I had met him at the shop that I was learning at. And then, as time passed, I was uh, messing around with airbrushing. Okay. So then I was like, okay, well, I really need some tattoo equipment. I'm about to sell my airbrush equipment. And he happened to be the person that I sold it to. So when I first came and seen the shop, I loved the shop. It was big. It was roomy. They had some great artists here. Um, I had always knew about the shop. And then my art was starting to get better. I had added him on Facebook. And, you know, at the time, I wasn't thinking about leaving or like I was just about to stay at that shop and just you know do tattoos right. and work hard or whatever and uh, I sent him I had did a, uh, a realistic color realism picture of a, a part and I asked him his uh, the critique it for me right and he was like it's really good uh, how about you come work for me and then after that I put my you know two weeks notice in and I came here to work nice and uh you gave me a little bit of a lesson while I was here watching, but let's walk through from the time somebody decides they want to get a tattoo and they decide they want to work with you. How does that process go? Like from the inception, like I know sometimes people come in with what they want, but like walk me through the typical experience of a new customer. Well, if a new customer are coming in and, you know, they have never got tattooed by me before, if they got a design, it's real easy. We go ahead and create the design or maybe print the design out. Um, but if they have an idea, we kind of like... We'll just draw it for them. Usually what I do is, if a person has a project they would like to work on, I have them put down a $100 deposit. The deposit comes off the end cost of the tattoo. Uh, by the end of the, end of the tattoo, that $100 is withdrawn for the full total. But I draw in front of my customers every time they come in. Okay. So say a person want a dove. All right, they came in, they, we didn't talk, they didn't put their deposit down. The appointment come, um, they have some ideas to some doves. I see the ideas and then I draw the idea and then we tattoo it. But I do not print out the idea until they're happy with the design. Gotcha. That's the benefit of drawing with the customer, not drawing for the customer. Because drawing for the customer, you, you draw what you think they might like. And you might not even, you don't know this person. You right. just met this person, talked to them for 15, 20 minutes, right. and they gave you an idea. Now, drawing with the customer, I can make sure that their experience with me is 100%. You know, I can make sure they really enjoy their tattoo and I can get more referrals. Absolutely. There's a lot of tattoo artists that will do whatever they want to do on your skin. I'm not the type. Right. Like, I'm talking to the person the whole entire time. Right. I, I kind of equate that in my landscaping business. People be like, oh, well, what do you think I should put here? And I'm like, well, this this, this could grow, but I only got to look at this for the day of the installation, maybe once a week while I come back and cut the grass. You got to look at this every day. Right. Like, I'd much rather you tell me. I'll show you pictures of what will work, but, like, tell me what you want. Right. You know, because like you said, like, you don't want to waste all your time drawing up something that they don't actually yeah. want. Yeah. You know, or... And, you know, I used to go through that. That's why I had to change it. Because, like... You would draw something for a client and be like, uh, yeah, I don't really like that. Can we redraw it? And then y'all done wasted so much time that you gotta you gotta set them a new appointment. Right. It's just better to like for my clients, if they're getting bigger pieces, the whole day is theirs. Right. 
Right. So from the time we open to the time we close, that whole day is there. Mm-hmm. They don't pay for the whole day. They only get paid. They only pay for the tattoo time. Right. But the whole day is there for us to design and create something they really like. What would you say is like the percentage wise of planning and drawing it all out opposed to actually doing the tattoo? Is it usually about as long as it takes to plan? It takes to put it on, or it just matters on the tattoo. Sometimes um, a design would take a long time to put together based on what it is. Like the customers that have a pretty much good idea of what they want on their body, I can draw that for them. They'd be like, okay, I found this picture. I want something like this. Go ahead and do what you need to do. Right. Then I can draw that beforehand. That way we don't waste time. Right. But people who just give you an idea yeah. and not really sure about what they want, it's better if you just have them come in and just draw. Absolutely. And I, I would think those same type, type of people kind of have that almost like the buyer's remorse of like, they see it, the stencil on and they're like, ooh, I don't know if I really like this anymore. Right, right. Uh, does that happen a lot? Do, do, do you get all the way to that point and people get I, the cold feet? I think, it's, I think it comes to how known or popular you are as an artist. Um, with me, people usually have to wait anywhere from two to four months to get in with me. So I don't get buyer's remorse from them because they have this is something they've been wanting, right? And they already have plans of getting it before they even contact me. Gotcha. So, like for a new tattoo artist, that probably happens often because they don't really know the work. You know, they probably heard of them from a friend, seeing some stuff they was doing. I feel like since the tattoo has went worldwide and the shows and stuff, people is more cautious about who they let tattoo them now. Right. So not as much, no. I, I usually don't have people back out and be like, no, or, you know, do that. Right. Especially if you got to put in a deposit down. That kind of is another way to kind of keep that from happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, the price rate and the deposit keeps people from bullshit. Right. Right. I like that sign that you got up there. The, uh, the tattoos aren't cheap and cheap tattoos aren't good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even as a guy that doesn't have tattoos, I fully fully like agree with that. Our, one of my buddy Casey, he was on uh, one of the podcasts that was on. He does a lot of music, but he also does tattooing. And like, just the other day, he had a Facebook post of like, all these people that think they're my friend, but they just want a discount on a tattoo. You stupid motherfucker. Why you want a discount? Right. Like, you want me to only half-ass this tattoo for you? Like, this is what my art costs. If you want it, come get it. Yeah. Yeah, I usually, um, when people ask me for a discount, I usually say, I, wor- I run a fair business. I do not give discounts to anybody. If this person was able to pay for it, you ain't going to pay for it. Right? Now, if you need to save, you need to break it up in sessions, I'll work with you. But you have to pay what everybody else is paying. Because I cannot have one customer over here saying that you got a tattoo by me and it was this price. And then another one saying you got tattooed by me, it was this price. Right. And it's high or low. I want to keep all my pricing fair. Absolutely. In the same. And do you do it by like the difficulty of the job or how long of the time? How do you, how do you determine the price of a tattoo? Well, for most tattoos, my rate is one twenty-five per hour plus tax. One hour worth of work comes to one fifty-four. Now for cover-ups, cover-ups is a lot harder. Takes a lot more time. Um, it takes a lot more planning. So I have. My rate for that is 140 an hour plus tax. Um, but for the most part, them, them the only two. 
They don't know only two prices. And I think I saw online they call you the uh, the cover-up surgeon or something like that. Oh, that is, I would just play it around. But I've, I've, I've seen your cover-ups. It's phenomenal the way that you can take something, even like a bigger, darker piece, and you have no idea that that's what was there. Yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm the only person that I have seen who can do cover-ups like that. Uh-huh. Um, it don't matter what it is, I can cover it. Uh, I do have requirements for cover-ups. Um, first, the the cover-up in question has to be two years or older, because the top layer of the cover-up is healed, but the underneath layer isn't. And what I do is uh, max saturation. So first session, we lock in the design. I do a lot of saturation right there. The second session, session, we go ahead and lock in some details, and I do more saturation. By then, the cover-up is pretty much covered for most people. So, a lot of the times, you only need two appointments. But if it has a lot of black into it, you can be looking at either three or four sessions, which is just me saturate, saturate, saturate. It's, it's, the concept is like if you take a crayon and you take a piece of paper and you scratch it lightly and you keep doing it, you keep doing it, that's pretty much what I'm essentially doing with cover up. I'm just layering color over top of each other. By the time it's done, you're never seen, you never knew it was a cover-up in the first place. And when you're layering and saturating, are you trying to match the skin color, or are you trying to get to the color of whatever design you have? I'm matching, I'm matching whatever design I'm doing. Whatever, uh, whatever colors is about to be in, in the tattoo, I, I had already planned it out and did it beforehand, so I know how it's going to look on skin. Gotcha. It, it, to me, it's amazing like how much, like, foresight vision that you have to have with that and like all artistic abilities you know like you tell me to draw a dub you tell you to draw a dub it's going to look like one's on a Denny's napkin and the other you know actually looks like a dub you know like do you like just close your eyes and just see the picture and just kind of it's kind of it's kind of like repetition I have done this and drawn this for so long that I know what the end result will be Uh, it's been a lot of trial and error to try to get to this point now right so, you know, if you, if you draw one dove, you can draw it again. Absolutely. You know, that's why I draw faces so much, because I tattoo faces so much. So the more I draw faces, the more I get muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So then when I do another face, I'm thinking like, okay, I had a face that was drawn on paper. That face had the same, was in the same direction, had the same shadows, had the same kind of lips and nose, eyes dimension. So I can put that on skin because I've done it on paper a thousand times. Right. Same thing. And you said that you went to school for business. Have you ever taken any formal art classes, or is it all kind of self-taught? And just just self-taught, just being around my mom. That's crazy. Self-taught. And uh, within that self-taught, like I know you went through an apprenticeship. Are you like looking to teach other people? I mean, I know you well, work within I, the shop. But. Well, I have t- taught other people. I have. Uh, Carla ain't here right now. She she works right here. She's an artist now. I help I helped her a lot in her uh, in her career in, in tattooing and still helping her learn and put forward. The thing about working here though is like we cannot have our own apprentice. It has to be a shop apprentice. Gotcha. So uh, I did help teach Tyler. Tyler's doing well. I did, you know, gave him tidbits of information. I helped uh, Carla a lot. So I, I try to give information to whoever we're looking for that comes here and try to learn. And if somebody does want to become a tattoo artist, what's the first couple steps that you think they should take? Or, um, I mean, a lot of people say just 
practice, but you know, like what somebody that wants to be where you're at one day, where should they start? You need to draw every day, every day before you start getting into tattooing, before you even think about picking up a tattoo machine and tattooing, because that will help you be a good artist and keep you from struggling like I struggled. When I when I started into my career in tattooing, I wasn't a really strong artist. And you have to have a strong foundation to be a good tattoo artist. The better your art is on paper or on canvas, the better tattoo artist you will be. So focusing on art first before you get into tattooing is a benefit. A lot of the the reason tattooing is growing so much is because a lot of real artists is stepping into tattooing. A lot of illustrators and painters and they knocking shit out because they already had the fundamentals of art. So if they really want to get into tattooing, focus on art first, become a, a good artist on paper, and then go look for an apprenticeship because if you get on paper, people are going to be knocking on your door trying to get you to you know, learn how to tattoo at that point. But if you're weak on paper, nobody's going to pick you up. They're just going to want to use you for money. That's it. And we do free apprenticeships here. So That's nice. Yeah, you just got to be here. Focus on you know art and then we teach you. Gotcha. Is there any like licensing or anything that you need? They trying to do that now. They trying they trying to fuck us right now. Like we were saying before, Uncle Sam's just trying to get everything. That he yeah, can, huh? yeah. They trying to the the uh, I think it's the governor trying to put taxes on it, but currently no, it's no licensing. If a tattoo artist say he's a licensed tattoo artist in Ohio, at least I don't say whole Ohio. Cause I don't know, but at least Akron to Cleveland. But they say they're licensed tattoo artists. They lie. They just trying to kind of pump, pump their own. Yeah, it's, it's no licensing, and like all you need is your your first aid, CPR, and blood work pathogens. Gotcha. That makes to, sense. to be a tattoo artist, honestly. That's it. How did you do that? Like the Red Cross? Or? Yeah, you, you can do it online. I go to Pro Pro Board. What is it? Yes, ProBloodBornPathogens.com and ProFirstAid.com. You just take the course. Yeah, you just watch a video, take the course, pass the test, and print it out. Nice. And uh, you, you kind of showed me this stuff before, but what, what all are you using to make sure that the bloodborne pathogens? I know you wear the gloves. And yeah, yeah. We, we use uh, a maticide. It's not mixed down. It's pure maticide. It kills everything. We uh, spray it down, have it sit for 47, 47 seconds, wipe it down. Everything be good. Like that exact forty-seven. Yeah, it's forty-seven seconds. <laughs> That's awesome. And is that pretty much just the biggest danger of tattooing? Is just you know somebody using a, a dirty needle or sitting in a dirty. Yeah, for the most part, you can get stabbed and immersive. But also, if a person is like, if the skin is dirty, gotcha. You can still they can still get stabbed and immersed. So you got to make sure you clean the skin off and sterilize the skin too with some alcohol and just make sure your area is nice and clean. No hair and stuff like that, because even with hair, if you tattoo the hair, the needle can touch the hair, jamming right back in the skin, and you can get infection from that as well. So you know, keeping your area clean, keeping your hot area away from your cool area, and uh, keeping and you know having the artist or uh, keeping the skin clean and sterilized is benefit too. Gotcha. So that's why you always see them with the razor and everything to keep, keep anything that could get into the skin from being in the skin. Yep. And uh, you just kind of mentioned that you've had the trials and the errors. Do you remember the first tattoo that you gave? How did that go? Uh, the first tattoo idea was on my uh, my, my friend. 
he, he passed away. Uh, he had a, uh, a a heart condition, very young. And the first tattoo I did was a cross on his uh, on his arm. And Jesus, it was horrible. Uh, I, I put the needle in backwards. Was worrying wondering why the ink wasn't coming out. And this one we had. This one it was just coil machines. Everybody was using coil machines. It was real loud. The machine was super heavy, and I put I had the needle in backwards. I thought I had it in right, and I'm lining them, and all I'm doing is scarring them up and fucking up the tattoo. It was terrible. It was real bad. Is that the only time you ever put it in backwards? Yep, yep. That's awesome. Um, in the interview we did with uh, my buddy Casey, he said the hardest one that he did was on an old like WW2 vet type guy that wanted something. I forget the design, but he said that just. He, he, Tattooed young guys for years, and that was the first one that he ever did. That was an older guy. How, how does the skin of different people affect what you do? It, it affects a lot. Uh, you got people who have real tough, hard skin, and then you have people that have real soft skin, and then you have people who got like the perfect skin for tattooing. Which, when I say perfect, it's like you can put a clean line, you can build your shade, and you can put color in, like with. People would you have that when people got that soft skin, it's like it goes in too fast. And so you have to pull your needle back and turn your machine down. Okay. And then when people with hard skin, it's the total opposite. You gotta pull your needle out some more and run your machine faster. Gotcha. So you it's just pretty much adjusting. You can adjust once you hit the skin one time if you've been doing it long enough. And I'm guessing that's kind of just like your skills that you're learning with the drawing. You kind of learn as soon as you're feeling skin how, how hard you have to well, go. Well, with skin, you won't know until you start tattooing. Like once you pull that first line, you'll be able to tell. Um, but that's it. You, yeah, you can't just tell how they skin them by touch. Gotcha. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, uh, you travel the country doing tattoos too, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do a little, a little bit of traveling. I'm... I'm getting married next year nice congratulations thank you so like right now i put like traveling on hold but once we get married i'm definitely gonna be doing a lot more traveling uh so far i've done tattoos in vegas miami detroit um that's that's it so far i, I do the cleveland tattoo convention every year i'm gonna be doing it there again this year but that's it you know a little minor stuff right nothing too major but i mean that's to me, that that's kind of like the whole like every person I look for for the guests of this, this, this podcast and somebody that's got skills that I don't know, stuff that I don't, and they're using their creativity to travel, to work, to live, opposed to the people that are just taking that check. That's nine to five. And right. That's safe. That safe route. Um, before tattooing, what all were you doing for a living? Oh, I was working at McDonald's. <laughs> I was a manager at McDonald's for like six years. I just got tired of it. Like there was. They started putting all these conditions and all this stuff we had to do. It was, it was just terrible. I was like, I'm about to get back to tattooing. Absolutely. It was, honestly, it was a blessing that I was working at McDonald's. Because if McDonald's wasn't, wasn't like that, I wouldn't say it was horrible. It was just it just wasn't for me. Right. But if it wasn't, if he didn't show me that, I wouldn't have got back into tattooing. I would have just made $600 every two weeks and call it a day. Right. I was like, this is not the life. <laughs> Smell like food every day. You got to constantly yell at the crew and right. somebody call off. You got to work. And it was just terrible. I like I like how my life is. It's easy. 
come and go as I please, right. do a tattoo, go home, spend time with the family. But you're able to do that because you've taken the time to perfect your skills. You've spent, I don't even know how many hours drawing and everything else, opposed to people that say the same thing about McDonald's as you, but then you're like, you know what, I don't want to go learn how to do real shit. Right. <laughs> But yeah. it's, it's crazy where, like, you know, like you said, you're making over $100 an hour opposed to 10 15 whatever, you know, a manager at McDonald's is making these days. And all it took was following what you wanted to do. And it's amazing how people are like, oh, well, yeah, I wish I could be a tattoo artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people want to be a tattoo artist, but a lot of people don't want to put the work in. And it's because with tattooing, you don't know how blessed you are to be doing something that you love doing until it's gone. Like when I when I had stopped for the eight months and was just working at, as a manager at McDonald's, I didn't know I, I didn't appreciate tattooing like I like I do now. Right. Like it was just I was just like oh, I'm not making no money. I'm sitting around here not making no money. I need to make some money. I need to be able to take care of myself. And then at the end of the day, me being happy and broke for me to follow my dream was more work than me having constant money coming in every two weeks. Right. I mean, you're keeping that forever just about broke, opposed to like, even if you don't make a ton of money when you started, a little bit that's coming in, you're making it off how you want to make it, which is a better feeling. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I was starting out, I probably I probably was making like maybe sixty dollars a week. Right. You know, opposed to making. You know, almost six hundred dollars every two weeks. You know, that was a big difference. Right. I had to, I had to be able to lean on people and have people have my back while I was going through my apprenticeship. It uh, doing an apprenticeship is really hard to do if you're by yourself. You need somebody to be able to support you. Gotcha. You know, because you're not going like the first couple of years into tattooing, you're not going to bring much home. Somebody got going to be able to help to like really hold you up. Um, through through the course of this, you know, I had I had my family, I had girlfriends in, in the period of time, um, you know, some women that I was talking to back in the past, and if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Nice. Um, when I first got here, I was struggling because the price difference from here, from a custom shop to a street shop, is totally different. Okay. A uh, street shop, you pretty much they you you would yell out a price and then see if the customer like the price and then you know if they do they get the tattoo. Here, it's by hour, so it's it's different. When some people when they hear hourly, they kind of gets kind of scared because they don't know how long a tattoo gonna take. I'm right. I'm a pretty good judge of how long something's gonna take me. So I think I'll make the customer a little bit more comfortable. But it was a big challenge from me coming from a street shop to here. I lost. Maybe seventy percent of my clientele right. from from street shop because uh, a lot of people just don't want to go to custom shops because of that. And uh, when I got here, it was just I wasn't making no money. The shop was like super slow at the time. Um, I just stuck it out, and the girlfriend I had at the time, she really had my back. But then the time came where she thought I, I feel like people was in her, her ear telling her that I was using her, which I wasn't. I just wasn't financially stable right. I was trying but you know so some people just after a while people don't just don't see your dream or vision or trust it after a while gotcha so I was with her for three years and you know wasn't doing much 
But then I really start thinking about how to promote myself and how to use my business degree and how to, I can convert what I learned in business into tattooing. How I, I, I can market myself better. And it, it was times where I would just, I would take a, a, a card table to the park and uh, just sit there eight hours um, while people pass by and hand out business cards. I would go to the mall, not buy anything, walk around, hand out business cards. Uh, I was doing everything I could for people to see my work. And, uh, you know, the last few years, they actually start paying off. You know, I'm booked up to four months now. Uh, I don't really have to, I don't have to really worry about where my money is coming from anymore. Like, it's still a little bit of worry because sometimes people, you know, will cancel or uh, maybe they decide to go to another artist. Never know. So, it's a little worry on that. You know, not making the money, but I've been able to really make it by, by, by you know, really grinding before. Because um, there's two things that I keep in mind. One is every day I think about, okay, I lost five potential clients that day. Right. Because of money, because of living situations. They might have found another artist. So every day I need to grind, I need to promote to gain those five people back. Also, I go by what's what's the saying? Um, nobody wants an artist that nobody knows. So okay, say say you just doing tattoo. You just working, you tattooing, you you coming in every day, you building a clientele. That don't really get you far. Not not promoting yourself, not pushing your art out there, not showing people, not adding people, not having conversations with people. Don't really get you where you want to be in tattooing. You have to be social. You have to get yourself out there. Nobody wants an artist that nobody knows. Because even though... You don't want to be a fad tattoo artist or a popular tattoo artist. You would like to just, you know, work and do your craft. People still want to go to other people and be like, look what Ovey did. I got this at Empire Inc. They still want to have that pride with their tattoo artists. It's just like uh, if you buy a new shirt. I was just going to say, just like that, that same checkered shirt. Uh-huh. Three dollars at Payless, nobody's getting it. But you know, you put a little polo symbol on it, right. seventy-five dollars. Right. Everybody wants it because yep. they, they know Ralph Lauren, they know what the, the, the brand means. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. So it's just about like I, I think I put a lot of work in and creating a brand that people can trust and they like. So. Absolutely. I mean, you're doing a great job online. Uh, t- talk a little bit about how you built your following on Instagram. To me, it just looks like you like kind of like what you said. You've just been consistently doing good work. You're having consistent posts and everything and you're just growing and growing. Yeah, I just try to stay consistent. I try to, like, every day I think about who can I convey a tattoo to that haven't got tattooed by me before or haven't seen my work before. So, like, sometimes I'll be like, okay, let me, let me, today I'm just going to focus on men for this, this whole day. I'm going to put out posts of the women that I tattoo, maybe that grab their eye and see the rest of my work. 
Right. Okay, then, okay, what I'm going to do for the women. Okay, let me put out a post that I think women might like. Or let me, I use my stories a lot to try to convey, I mean, not convey, but try to get input from women about what they want to see on my page. Um, and then, you know, I might, okay, well, I know a lot of people need cover-ups. I know a lot of people need cover-ups, so let me go ahead and put a post about cover-ups. So I try to I try to spread it out where I'm hitting all the sections of different people looking for different stuff. Pretty much just doing your whole marketing mix type thing of how they say it in school, opposed to like the new the new age of just focus on different things. Yeah, I try, I try to hit everybody because if you focus if you focus on one group, then this is this is this is the only people that you gonna hit. Right. I try to hit a large range of all different types of people. Absolutely. And because of that. I didn't got people travel from out of the country to come see me. I was just about to say, how, how far has somebody come to get an OMA tattoo? Uh, the farthest has been China. Wow. Yep. And that's what, like 5,000 miles to come get your art? That's, that's a compliment. Yep. So China has been the farthest so far. Uh, and then it's, sometimes I have to tell people that 40 40% of my clientele is not even in the city of Akron. Fifteen uh, percent of my clientele is not even in the country. When the person that lives in Cleveland says, "Oh, I will get a, a tattoo by you, but you're too far," I'm like, "Okay, right." That's just their way of saying I don't, I don't got it. Right, right. For the most part, yeah. Right. And uh, for all those people that are coming to Akron to get tattooed by you, where's one, anywhere from one to three places you need to stop in Akron? Ooh, one to three. Uh, well, I don't know. Whether it's recreation, food, like where, where's the top couple places you have to stop while you're in town? Well, personally, I feel like the Crave is a, a restaurant downtown Akron. I feel like the Crave is a great place to eat. You got a lot of if you into different exotic food, different mixtures, mm -hmm. it, it's a great great place to eat. Um, I, I feel like that'd be number one for me. If I wasn't tattooing here, I, I'd love to see the Crave because it's just different. Uh, Akron is a, it's a small city. You know, me coming from Cleveland. We could, a, we could throw Cleveland into it too, because I mean, Akron, Cleveland, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's a, a hop and a skip. Yeah, it's just a hop and a skip. In Cleveland, it's a lot of stuff to do. I would, if you're into Gavin, I'd say go to the horseshoe. If you're in for a show, you can go down to the flats or if you good time, go down to the flats. Right. I, I, if I was tattooing in Cleveland, so I would just. Anybody who was coming in town, I'll just introduce them to the flats, show them a good time down there. That's a wonderful time. Right. Um, and even if you just want to go see a show, you know, the theater in Cleveland is amazing. Yeah, I think it's like only like number two to Broadway in all of the country, isn't yeah. it? Like as far as size and scale, and like we get stuff right after it comes off Broadway, which yeah. not a lot of people really think about. Yeah. So you know, eventually I want I want to be back in Cleveland. I feel like. Um, you know, when celebrities come and want to get tattooed, they don't want to come to Akron. It's a small city, ain't much to do, ain't, not, ain't much to see, but you go to a major city like Cleveland, I think there's a lot more for them to interact and do out there. That makes sense. You know, especially since, you know, LeBron pretty much put us on the map. Right. You know, back again, anyway. We're supposed to hear you with him being gone, though. Yeah, so. yeah. You don't even need him. Right. <laughs> even with him being gone. Again and again and again. Right. I was so happy to see them not make the playoffs, though. That made me so happy. Yeah. Like, just that cynical Cleveland. You're like, oh, that's cool. You want to leave? That's fine. But, you know, you, but you know he's going to be back. Yeah, I think, but, like, 
I think he's going to come back just for like that last year where he's kind well, of worthless type thing. He says he says that he want to play. He he wants to play one season with his son. Yeah, I I, I believe that's going to be believe in that. It's going to be in Cleveland. That'd be good to see. Mm-hmm. To me, though, it's one of those, like, when he left the first time, he left the second time. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's like, as big of a name as you are, whether Cleveland's the destination or not, like, all, make 50 some million dollars a year in endorsements. Take the league minimum and bring everybody here. You know, like, if you really want to do them on. But, but that's the thing, though. Nobody wants to really play ball in the East. Yeah. Because of the weather. I mean, they make enough money, man. They can hop on a jet yeah, and they go can. anywhere they want. They can. They can. <laughs> and, it, 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 you know, it's just going to, you know. Being big babies. Big babies. Right. Like, but, literal big babies. Right. <laughs> yeah, they big as hell. So, like, I don't know. Close, the, you know, the closest, biggest, big city is Columbus got a major art scene. But I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to build in Columbus. Right. I want to build hard, you know. I, I, I definitely admire that. It's one of those, you could go anywhere on your skills, but wherever you feel what you want to build up, you have that ability. Yeah. And how do you feel about, um, before I forget to touch on it, we talk, kind of talked when you were doing your tattoo earlier, but tattoo culture, where we were saying, you know, 50 years, 100 years ago, there's only sailors coming in with, like, basic little, you know, anchors type thing. To now, I, I think because the reason why it's blowing up is because people know that know about it a lot more. They're more educated about it a lot more. Like, back then, only sailors and gangsters pretty much had tattoos. And the rest of the world knew nothing about tattooing. Um, but now, like, they have all these shows and stuff that are really teaching you about tattooing and the art form and educating people, which a lot a lot more people got tattoos because they know the, the process now. And within that process, uh, I know you talked about things have gotten quieter, things have gotten more high tech. Where do you see tattooing, both the technology and the culture, in five, ten plus years? Uh, I think I think a lot of the technology is going to be based on whatever is going on in the world. Like we have wireless tattoo machines right now, but they cost a lot of money. Right. It's one a thousand dollars. My machine right there already costs six hundred dollars. I'm not about to. Spend a thousand dollars for a machine that's without the wireless setup. That's just the machine, right? So like, I feel like things will improve. I just I'm hoping they'd be more recently priced. Right now, it's ridiculous. Gotcha. You know, you ever foresee like a three D printer for tattoos where you kind of just put your arm in the thing? And oh, they, they, are, are they taking out the human environment of it? They are. They are. They have that right now. They're playing with it, but. They can only do basic, that type of stuff can only do basic tattoos. You can't get a style from a machine. Also, when you when you get that, yes, it's, it's going to happen real fast, but what if you want a big a big piece? That machine, what, that, that machine is not going to be able to tell you to um, turn your arm, position like this, where they can get to it better, it's just going to keep going. And then what if you want to break? What if you the pain is getting to you? That machine is not going to be able to tell you, oh, you know, you ain't going to be able to tell that machine to stop. Right, you're going to need like a tattoo attendant instead of an artist and kind of like the nurse that kind of tells you to have to get the doctor's Yeah, so you're still going to have a person there, but it's, it, it won't be that connection because they're not doing the work. They're just pressing a button. And that takes, what I would think, a lot of like the experience away of like, you know, you're able to connect with your people, talk, you know, have a conversation while you're doing everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the machine 3300, you know, did this one. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing about creating clientele 
and creating a following is that you have to be liked, essentially. You know, yeah. people have to like the work that you're putting out and the person that you are. Right. For them to come get tattooed by you. Yeah, because let me know. The more, the more that people like you as a person, the more tattooed work you're going to get. Right. Because they're able to connect with you. Okay, yeah, the machine might be able to do a good tattoo. But I don't, I don't think a person will keep going back to a machine getting tattooed unless they just glutton for pain. Absolutely. And within the glut of the pain we talked earlier, where for you either personally or for, like when you're doing to other people, where's it's always everybody says something different, but where's the most painful place for a tattoo? My experience has been the most painful place for a woman is their feet. The most painful place for a man is his ribs. And that's on an average. Some people sway back and forth where it's not that painful, but for the most part, them two areas is the most painful for either gotcha. sex. And is that to me that sounds just like boning areas or is that yeah, just it's, it's pretty it's it's pretty much where your nerves run through your body. Right. But that's also the most the more bony areas. Women's pain tolerance is so high though. I could do work on women that I'll be able, never be able to do work on men. Gotcha. And it's just too painful for men sometimes. And it's usually the bigger ones. The big babies. Yeah. It's usually <laughs> the bigger guys who it's a little bit harder. The ones who kind of like go to the gym more often than others. Gotcha. The tattoos hurt them more. Interesting. And do like this, like shading, I think is what you said kind of is the most painful. Is that right? Everybody different. Um, like me, I think line work hurt the worst on tattoos. Okay. But then my girl, she's a total opposite. She thinks shading hurts the worst. <laughs> so like, it just matters on the person. Some people hate that you gotta layer the shading and build it up for it to look real and look smooth. Okay. So that, the overall feel of the tattoo, the hours putting into it, hurts worse to them. Me, the needle of a liner goes in a little deeper than shading. Shading, you just going off the top of the skin. Line work, you going into the skin to the second dermis. So like, line work, since it's the pressure and it's going a little slightly deeper, hurts a little bit more to me. Instead of you going on top of the skin. What happens like like you're doing that line work and somebody it hurts and they kind of jump? Is that? Um, I place my hand in a certain type of way where if they jump, this hand comes up before this hand okay. does. So I, like when I feel it in this hand, I'm able to bring my arm up before it reacts. Gotcha. gotcha. Yep. That makes sense. And does that happen a lot? No, not really. Like I know, I know the guy that's sitting there. He's you know synthetic feel numb, and other people I know they say they go to sleep. But like to me, like that initial, that first couple, I think is where I'd be like, oh shit. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, just the beginning is always the worst, uh -huh. especially if you don't have any tattoos. It's just like it's just like a roller coaster. You know the the, the creep up. It's like, <laughs> like oh, right my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then the top when you're just sitting up there. It's like that's like the needle hitting the skin. Gotcha. And then the drop of that first line pulling, but then after that, you're just enjoying the enjoying yeah. It's the ride. just chilling, you know. You're just getting your tattoo done at that point. Nice. And what's more popular, tat uh, colors or black and white? And to use for your stuff, I think you got to go more colors. That well, I don't. I do. I probably do equally the same amount. It just matters on what the client wants. I do a lot of black and gray. I do a lot of color. You know, it just it just matters. And then, like, I don't know. I switch back and forth from both so much that I don't 
realizing. Gotcha. Like, it just clicks back and forth. I think it's, I've been doing it so long that it don't bother me. And is there, like, you see the uh, the two chains, most expensive, that's where you had that, like, uh, exhaust ink type stuff? Uh-huh. As, as an artist and both somebody that has tattoos, is there a particular type of ink that you like better? Or is... Yeah, I might use a dynamic. Well, I use a turtle dynamic. I use Empire. Like, I usually use dynamic for line work. Gotcha. Most of my shade, you know, my black and gray tattoos is done by Empire. All my color tattoos is done by Eternal. So I got a shitload of color tattoos. But I most, if I could go by my inks, I probably do black and gray more in colors, honestly. Um, just because, like, I have, like, with my inks, I might have to buy a new bottle maybe once every three months. But with my black and gray, I, I just bought my set of Empire and I had to buy a new set already. Gotcha. So, yeah, I probably, probably do black and gray more in colors. I got a lot of color inks and they just be sitting for it. <laughs> Do they have a shelf life? Or are they good forever? No, all the inks got a shelf life. Um, they just kind of start to separate? Or? Yeah, yeah. They start separating. They won't go into the skin. It's just like you'll be coloring, coloring, thinking the ink is good. You wipe it off, it won't even go in the skin. That's crazy. And uh, just kind of wrap it up, the way that I like to let everybody end the interview is what I call the digital soapbox. You get one minute to look at the camera and end the interview however you want. So anybody that's listening, anybody that's watching, you can either promote, you can give something inspirational, you can whatever you want to do, 100% up to you how it ends. Alright. What do you want me to do that? Though? Whenever you're ready. Alright. Give as much thought as you want. <laughs> well, this is Obey Mendoza. I'm a tattoo artist in Akron, Ohio. I specialize in many things. Mostly people know me for my cover-ups. Uh, I enjoy doing black and gray or color. Mostly realism. Uh, I do, do dabble in some illustrative work. So if you enjoyed this interview, check me out. And uh, I'll be waiting to hear from you. And how can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, underscore. No, Instagram, O-V-E underscore M-E-N-D-U-Z-A. You can find me at on uh, Facebook at Ove Mendoza. You can email me at OveMendoza at gmail.com. Or you can send me a text. I take text messages too. I'm very open and free. You want to text me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I might not answer at 2 o'clock in the morning. But in the morning, when I get up, I answer it. My phone number is 330-294-8110. Awesome. I thank you for your time, and uh, I hope you can send some people your way from the interview. Awesome. As always, I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank my guest. And I'd also like to ask you guys to go ahead, and wherever you're listening to this at, maybe subscribe. Definitely leave a review. Even if you thought it was shit, let everybody know. If you thought it was great, let everybody know. And I look forward to the next episode, and I hope you do too. Talk to you then.